Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of They Call Me Coach. You can now like our They Call Me Coach Facebook page or subscribe and follow the show on Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast. Please share, like, and give us a positive review if you're enjoying the content. And now, here's your episode. On this episode, our guest is Coach Jared Owen of McAllister Girls Basketball. Follow along as Coach Owen walks us through his journey from being homeschooled as a student to working at a law firm and how he found his way into coaching after all of that. That and much more, here's our conversation on They Call Me Coach. Let's bring in our guest today. Our guest is the McAllister basketball coach, Jared Owen. Uh, coach, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good, man. Uh, day full of school. We've got it going in full gear. Just got done with some off-season workouts. I'd imagine you guys did the same thing today. Yes, sir. Yep, Coach. So uh, I don't know how much you know about this podcast. I know it's brand new. Uh, just started within the last two weeks, but – Man, my entire uh, goal for this podcast is just to figure out why uh, people do what they do. Um, and another thing is just to figure out who the person is behind the title coach. And just full transparency, my first two interviews, I don't know if I did a good enough job of of getting to the core of who somebody was. So if you don't mind, I'm I'm going to really try to get to know who you are in this next, in this next, uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour that we've got and, uh, and really just try to get to know you and, and who you are. Uh, or is that all right? Yes, sir. Uh, in the limited conversations we've had, uh, cause we don't know each other extremely well. Um, you come across as an extremely bright, extremely cerebral, um, very educated or education minded person. Um, and that's not something you always see in the coaching profession. Normally, uh, you know, sometimes you see the guys that are trying to relive the glory days and, and are, uh, are in it because they were a good athlete. Therefore, uh, they got into coaching or, or they just weren't able to hang up the shoes just yet. Um, and so they get into coaching, but I just don't get that impression from you. So, um, you know, what is your reason for even getting into coaching with, and, and I'll kind of get more into that as we go. Well, and, and, you know, I have listened to both of your first two episodes uh, and I know, you know, coach Hadley really, really well. Um, and I thought, I thought both, both episodes were fantastic. I le- learned a lot and I actually coached at Butner on the girl's side uh, when he was uh, at Varnum on the girl's side, he had just started my last year at Butner. And uh, so that's interesting. He's a, he's a coach. Hadley's a phenomenal coach, does a great job and good friend of mine. And I really enjoyed, you know, just just saying that right now. I really enjoyed listening to to both of those episodes. Um, as for me, uh, you know, I kind of got my dad was a coach. He he coached football at a Christian school in Oklahoma City, which is no longer there. But um, he, you know, of course, always instilled sports into us. Um, but uh, he um, he coached, like I said, he coached football. Basketball wasn't really the big thing, but for me, basketball it came about like. I started, you know, kind of – we had an old Pistol Pete Maravich fundamentals of basketball tape, old VHS, and we lived in Tennessee at the time. Um, and I would go out in the old gravel road. We had a little basketball go there, and I would just practice and and pretend I was Pistol Pete Maravich. And, and that's how I kind of started playing basketball. Um, 
you know, and then we moved to Oklahoma. We're from here. My, my mom's family's from McAllister. And so we moved back this way and I, uh, went to school when I graduated high school, I worked at a law firm here in town at McAllister for a few years. And I really thought about being a lawyer, but after I realized how, how much they do and all that stuff, I was like, no, I, I don't want to do that. Uh, but I, my heart has always been in basketball and coaching. Um, and so I, you know, I played basketball at Savannah high school here, just outside of McAllister. And then I was homeschooled my junior and senior year. Uh, we played for the Oklahoma city storm for a little bit and they had, you know, Blake Griffin played a little bit there before they went to the OCS. And, oh yeah. Yeah. My uh, brother Taylor Griffin, his older brother and me were, were the same age and we got to play a little bit. And so we had a pretty good basketball team, but we, we couldn't move up to Oklahoma city. It just didn't work out for our family. And so we started a homeschool basketball team here in McAllister and we played until I was senior year. And I walked on at Eastern, you know, down here in Wilberton. I played a little bit, but I was working at the time um, at Pete's Place, which is an Italian restaurant. And I would, you know, we I'd work at Pete's till, you know, midnight or whatever. And then I'd get up and we'd have morning workouts and practice and class. And it just got too much. And I couldn't, you know, I told when Case was the coach at the time. Um, I told him, I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to do this and, and I just can't, can't keep up. Uh, but then I went to East Central and, you know, got my education degree and, uh, you know, I was kind of looking, uh, you know, all over the place for some jobs and nothing. I mean, I, I, I couldn't find anything hardly. Um, I couldn't even get any interviews and I was actually, I'm real faith-based, you know, the Lord's really important in my life. Uh, I was actually on a mission trip with my family, with my church to, in Norman was on the way up there we were doing vbs for a little um kind of like a project um apartment area we were holding the vbs for them and uh, i got a call from the principal there at butner and she said uh can you and i was you know i'm in basketball shorts and a t-shirt and have a hat on and and she's like can you come do an interview and i was like i'm not dressed for that and she said that's fine just get in here so she calls me in there i'd never been to butner in my life um so I go in there and uh, interview and they give me the job just right there. And funny story, like when I played at Savannah as a freshman, we played in the uh, championship game of the Kiowa tournament and we were playing Butner in the championship game and we were up one and they had, and they had a free throw to tie it at the end. There was like one second left and they missed it, but they tipped it in at the buzzer and won the championship. And the day I got that job, I walked in there and that trophy sitting in that trophy room. I took that thing and I threw it in the trash. <laughs> but anyways, uh, so I started at Butner. I was the head, uh, right off the bat, head girls basketball coach, uh, head fast pitch and slow pitch coach. And I, I'll be honest with you, I had never even watched a softball game in my entire life. I didn't play baseball. I didn't even know, you know, how the lines were supposed to be painted on the field or any of that. Um, but, you know, I, you know, my dad, you know, he's always instilled hard work into us. So I, you know, got, I asked coaches around, what's this, what's that? Got some coaching videos, you know, and I just learned as much as I could. Uh, I got some stuff about, you know, obviously Patty Gasso is amazing. So I, it was, you know, she had only won that one national championship at that point, but I got some stuff from her and, and I really got to, got to work on that and figuring that out. So I was there for three years, um, doing all of that. I did elementary, of course, and everything. Um, well, our basketball team, uh, my last year there, we won 19 games, made it to the area tournament. Um, and, and funny story, uh, 
my last year there was the first time we'd ever beat Varnum. And then we played again there in the regional finals and, and or semifinal, regional semifinals, I'm sorry. And they beat us. So we went, me and Hadley are one and one against each other. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, anyways, and then so I left there and I, I met a young woman um, who's my wife now. Um, we, uh, one of my best friends, uh, wife and her were good friends and they went to college together and we met and she got her first uh, real job at the Beckham County Health Department in Elk City, Oklahoma. And so we were kind of long distance there my last year uh, and we were wanting to get married, you know, we're getting engaged and, and, and she's like, I want you to come out here, you know, I can, this is my first job. And I said, all right. So I originally applied and interviewed for the head boys job at Merritt. But a guy named Donnie Husband came in behind me and, and took it, um, which uh, that was a good decision on their part. Um, but uh, a couple weeks later, their softball coach left. And, and so I'd been doing softball for a little bit and for three years now. And I felt a little better about it. And so I went out there. Um, you know, we took over. Uh, I was the head softball coach. Um, and then I was the assistant basketball coach on the girls' side for uh, Coach Fletcher, Jeff Fletcher, and he was the architect of those surreal teams that were runner-up three years in a row. He does a really good job. And uh, so I did that for three years. We took over a team. Um, you know, I think they'd won four or five games the year before in, in softball. And my second and third year, we made the game to go in slow pitch and made it to the regional tournament in fast pitch. So we, you know, we got to where we'd win 15, 20 games every year in that. I think we we did a good job with that program as well. But the biggest thing about Merritt that I'll, I'll never forget is learning from Coach Fletcher and Coach Husband. Obviously, Coach Husband did the boys and Coach Fletcher did the girls. Um, but I would just, you know, obviously I'm in practice there with the girls and then we'd see the boys doing their stuff and and I'd just eat it up. I'd take notes and, and every single day and, and just anytime they – run some kind of play i'd write down anytime they'd say something you know i'm like oh man that's good i gotta write down so i, I keep those notes with me and and i learned uh, those three years i learned a lot we'd go to the region meetings coaches meetings we had to go to lawton and altus and you know those are hour and a half two hour drives and i just listen to those guys tell stories and you know you just learn the ins and outs uh, uh of taking care of a program and and doing those things and but uh i'm originally from McAllister. And so, you know, I never thought we'd move back because my wife was, you know, McAllister has a uh, aura about it because the prison's here. And she's like, I don't want to go there. That, you know, the prison, what if they escape? And I'm like, well, they're not going to, you know, they're not going to stay in McAllister. They're going to, they're going to leave if they, if they happen to escape the prison. But she always had that. Well, she surprised me one day. I thought we'd been out, you know, out in Western Oklahoma for a long time. Uh, she surprised me, said, I just interviewed for the, uh, or I, I, I put in my application. And I'm going to interview for the uh, health department in McAllister. And uh, I was like, okay. And so McAllister girls basketball job came open and, and we sent our stuff that way. And so we both, we all moved obviously. And uh, I took over the job here and I think we were, they had won, you know, four or five games. It was, you know, kind of, there, there's a good history at McAllister, but it had been a while. It's kind of falling on hard times. My first year here, we won 10 games. Uh, we got dramatically, I mean, just a whole lot better that year, but it was a grind. There's a lot of things just around the program that we had to really fix and uh, teach them, you know, how to practice and, and how to be dependable. And 
all those things and establishing character and trust inside a inside a program. And then the next year we make the area tournament. Um, we graduate a, a, a really good group of seniors. Uh, we still had a good year. We had a winning season the next year. And then the COVID year came and our best player, she, uh, she decides she don't want to play basketball anymore. So she leaves. And I really was, we had two players that were really good. Uh, one of them left and the other ones were real young. And I, uh, I didn't know how we'd win two games that year. And then, you know, COVID's going on and all that. And we ended up, we ended up winning seven games and we made the area tournament with that group. But that group was probably, that's probably the best coaching job I've ever done. And even if you know COVID, like people are canceling left and right. And so some of the teams that beat us earlier in the year didn't want to play us in the, at the end of the year. We were, we, we, man, we overachieved big time. And uh, so we probably, if we'd have played the whole schedule, we probably would have won 10, 15 games with those, that group. But we ended up making the area tournament. And that kind of set the uh, precedence for the next year. We ended up going on a run, and we we, we won it all. Uh, we, were net, we were big. It was kind of a miracle deal. We knew we were going to be good, but we our biggest guy was 5'9". Um, we, were, we were fast. We were scrappy, and we were tough. And we uh, ended up making the state tournament. Uh, and the teams we had to play, you know, Midwest City had a big 6'1 guard, 6'2, big old girl. We beat them four or five in the, in the quarters. Um, we, in the semifinals, we played Tulsa Rogers. Uh, they have three girls that are six foot tall or bigger. And uh, we, we ended up beating them pretty good. And then we played El Reno, who was, I thought that year, probably the most talented team. Uh, they had all the pieces, bigs, uh, point guard, shooters, scorers, you know, they had. All the pieces. We ended up somehow upsetting them, and and uh, we won that game, and we we won it all last year. Um, we graduated a big group of seniors off that group. We had a pretty good year with injuries. You know, we ended up making the area tournament again. We had injuries all year long. Our our leader, uh, post girl senior, she tore ACL in softball, so she didn't even get to see the floor at all. Um, and then our best player, which is our point guard, she she broke her tailbone there at the end in the area tournament so it was just kind of a one of those deals but we had a, we had a good group laid a foundation for what we have you know this year and going forward um but yeah it's been a it's been a journey and it's been fun and lots of hard work blood sweat and tears poured into it but it's been fun yeah uh just kind of looking over your your uh record that year that you won uh the state championship uh you've got key wins versus uh, Bishop Kelly early in the year. Grove, uh, obviously Midwest City beat Booker T. Um, but kind of just staying, staying right there. And, I, and then I do kind of want to go back to some things you said before, but talk me through what your, what your locker room is like uh, when you go through a three-game skid, uh, losing to people, um, you know, like Tahlequah. Mustang, Sepulpa, Ada. I don't remember the exact three uh, losses that came back to back to back, but, you know, did were they always locked in? Uh, what are some things you're doing as a coach to keep them engaged uh, to where, you know, you lose three games in a row, you start to really doubt. And so what, what do you remember about um, that skid in the middle of your year? And so, I mean, that, that came at the last tournament of the year. Um, so we're in the Shawnee tournament. So we lose, we beat a good Shawnee team in the, in the first round. And then we, uh, 
we lose to Mustang in the semifinal, which Mustang is a you know semifinal six eighteen, extremely good, well coached, and then we turn around and lose to Ada, who is McAllister. Ada is a, a brutal rivalry, but we had we had three girls on that team. We had two that were you know could get their shot. They're our two point guards. Um, whenever they wanted, they kind of facilitated everything. Then we had a, a girl that was a shooter, um, and those three, you know, we told them, you know, once we realized how we how we were going to play and how good we were, you know, those three, you know, you got to go get 50 every night. If you do that, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to win. Well, you know, you go along and kind of the, what had creeped in our team and we didn't, and I, and I told coach Jennings at eight of this, I said, if we wouldn't have lost to you guys, especially that last time, I don't think we would have won it. Um, we go in and, uh, you know, all those games, we're in those games. They're close games for the most part. Uh, we've had, you know, leads in them. When we, the first time we played, we had three 15-point leads in that game. We should have, you know, in my opinion, we should have, you know, blown, blown them out and just continued on. Uh, but we had a problem in our, in our team you know, with our culture, and it was we had those three girls, uh, their parents uh, – kind of liked, oh, this one was the leading scorer and this one was the leading scorer. And they, and they why aren't you scoring? How come you're not leading score anymore? It's almost there was no not enough basketballs to go around. And so after we got beat uh at Ada that last that that last game on that third one, I, we we sat in the locker room the entire boys basketball game. And I, you know, I told them I said this is a problem. And you know, we kind of had a come to Jesus meeting. We we laid it all out there, you know, on the floor and I said when we were playing good, when we we're we're doing this. We're sharing the basketball, and it doesn't matter who gets the most points. You know, you were making the right plays, and that's kind of how we've always done it. We, you know, it don't matter if it's those three or another guy. Um, if they're hot, we want to get them the basketball, and we kind of talked about it, and we decided, hey, from now on, we're going to do that, and we didn't lose another game the rest of the year. Wow, uh, you mentioned you mentioned you played some homeschool basketball, so. This is now the third time I brought my brother up, but he actually played for the Oklahoma City Storm in the same kind of era that you're talking about. And so the Storm and the Knights, you know, the or, uh, right. sorry, he played for the Storm, he played for the Knights. And, oh, okay, okay. And uh, so you know, you're talking about the Storm, and I'm thinking about his days of the Knights. That's a bitter rival that nobody knows about. Those two, hundred percent. That's right. Um, and so I just remember watching him play, and I think it was the Putnam City. Uh, summer league that they have every year that just kind of goes one day a week all year all uh the month of june and and seeing him play against uh an eighth grade blake griffin who was just a man child in eighth grade and then uh and then i think taylor was you know maybe a junior but um yeah that's those are some those are some fun times i remember going up to the uh you know the wichita uh tournament did you ever go to that uh yes yeah. So, uh, you know, just seeing Taylor, uh, you know, jump from just a couple steps inside the free throw line and dunk it in a, in a fast break. I'm like, holy smokes, this dude is different. And I'm not very old at that time, but it was just amazing to see him play. I think I was maybe nine um, and he was he was incredible. But, you know, you 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 kind of talked me through your journey of, of where you've been, uh, but just getting to know you the little bit that I have. I would say you kind of approach things from a very philosophical way. Uh, you try to educate your, your athletes. Um, you're very well read. When did that kind of start for you? Okay. So my 
third year here, which, and this is another thing, reading has been something that my dad has always instilled into me. I mean, he, growing up, like he would read to us as kids when we went to bed, um, you know, and of course you'd catch him reading all the time. And he, he loves to study history or, you know, obviously uh, religion and stuff like that. And so it's something that has always been a big part of, you know, my, my upbringing. But we, uh, my third year, uh, at McAllister, we had a, uh, what I thought we looked really good on paper. Um, but our team never did fully gel. And, uh, you know, we had a pretty good year, but I feel like we never did fully gel. And I think that has to do with not having a, a underlying message an underlying, you know, direction. And so I, you know, made the decision that I was going to, you know, use the thing I loved because I think us coach us as coaches, we imprint something on our kids. Um, if you're a coach that's a hard worker and you're tough minded and and you're a grinder, I think that's going to ooze over to your kids. You're going to see that come out in them, and it can it can be a negative thing too. Uh, if you you know you're you're not high character person, you know you're you're instilling that into these kids because when you think about it, you spend more time with them than than even their parents do. Um, and so, uh, actually, one of my best friends who was the youth pastor here at the First Baptist Church in McAllister brought me a, a book uh, over the summer, and it's called Character Carved in Stone. It's written by Pat Williams, and he was the uh, one of the co-owners of the Orlando Magic when, when Shaq and Penny and all them had their run. Uh, but it's a story about um, West Point. And there's uh, there's stone benches there, and there's a dozen of them, and they have core virtues written on, on every one. And so, you know, I read the book that summer, and I was like, man, I want to instill this into our kids. And so we, I started doing a, a book reading with them on Wednesdays after practice for, you know, 15 minutes. We'd sit in a circle, and we would read a little bit. We'd just pass the book around. And we'd read a little bit, and then I started putting those things up in our up in our locker room. I made a big we have a big sign outside our locker room says Lady Buff, definite dozen, and it's the, the 12 core virtues of, of West Point. And it has a story with each one um, and a person that graduated, a, a man or a woman that graduated from West Point and how they exemplified that virtue. And so we started with that. And then the very next summer, my dad actually gave me a book. It's called um, The Code of Trust, and it has nothing to do with sports. It's a CIA book. But he talks about how to instill trust in people. And so our theme was trust that year. Um, tomorrow's results ultimately start today. And we put it on our T-shirts and we put it on everything. And that was the COVID year that we thought we weren't really going to be very good. And like I said, that was probably, of all my years in, 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 at, at McAllister, my best coaching job, honestly. Um, and I, that one of the tightest groups. And it definitely got the ball rolling for what would happen the next year. Um, and then, uh, the year we won it, I read a book. It's actually, um, oh, what's the coach from, that was at Ohio state. <laughs> they got in trouble with football coach, um, Jim Trestle. No, no. The urban the guy Meyer. After him. urban Meyer, urban Meyer, urban Meyer wrote a book called above the line. And he talks about in there when he, uh, they knew they were going to be pretty good. They played Alabama the year before in, in the playoff and, Alabama beat them and moved on, but they got to watch how Alabama, Alabama did everything. Um, 
how they, they warmed up at, you know, everything was at a championship level, obviously. And, and he said, you know, guys, this is what we got to do from this, this moment on we're that's what we're chasing. And so that was in one of the chapters there. So I started a thing called the chase. And I said, you know, obviously Sepulpa won it the year before and, and we played them actually in the regional final. And, and, uh, and I said, guys, this is it. So we started, uh, you know, that off season after we got beat, beat out in the area tournament, I said, this is what we're chasing. And I said, we got to change the way if we're going to beat this team, obviously we're not very tall, but if we're going to beat this team, we got to change the way we train. Um, we got to change the way we, we practice. We got to change everything. You know, we got to get a whole lot faster and, and obviously get better. And, um, I started that year, um, a, uh, a, I changed my, the way we lifted weights. We did do a triphasic training now is what it's called. Um, the strength and conditioning coach out at Minnesota started it. And basically it's not training you to be stronger. It's training you to be a better athlete explosion and all that. And I, I really think, you know, doing that, um, was one of the main reasons that we were able to, we took a fast team and they were, we, I, I really think we were the most explosive team in the state with our, just with the stuff that we did. It was amazing. Uh, so we've been doing that ever since. And actually McCall, we, we just hired strength and conditioning coaches. That's his MO. And so the every sport McAllister is doing that now. Um, but so we started that, um, the chase and, and obviously we took that with us and there was an, another, you know, we took above the line, but we added uh, a B to it and said B above the line. We drew lines on, we put lines on the entryway out of our locker to the gym. We put a line before you walk in the, in the, in the weight room. And we put a line, I put a line on my, before I walked in my office and said, when we cross this line, we're going to be above the line, you know, below the lines being selfish, coming up with excuses, you know, above lines, no excuses. We're going to find a way. And so we, we had that mantra and we called it battle. So we had two that year. Uh, and then we, uh, went after it that way. I also, that year we are, we didn't even, we didn't read that book together. We read a book called because in the area tournament the year before I had a girl who was one of our big three. Uh, she kind of mentally got frustrated in that game as a game. I feel like we could have won. Uh, but she kind of mentally made a couple of early mistakes. And, and up to that point, my uh, adjustment to somebody, you know, losing it would be, to, you know, in their face. I'm after them, you know, and it didn't. I mean, she just went from bad to worse. And, you know, that summer I was like, I got to change something. And I, I found a book called 10 Minute Toughness. Uh, it's a mental training book. It's a guy that is the uh, mental coach for uh, for uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. And, you know, we they have a program with, with a paper to fill out. And we read that as a team. And I, I just as long along with the strength training and the, obviously the, the way we played, I think the mental part of the game is what helped us uh, before every game. We would sit down and we'd visualize and, you know, we did a lot of that stuff. And it, I think it all played into a, a huge part of us us winning it, you know, in that state championship game, we were outmatched uh, in a lot of the positions, but we were so mentally hooked up. We didn't miss a beat. We didn't lose an opportunity because we needed all of them. And I, I definitely attribute it to that book. And it definitely helped that kid uh, in particular. And then funny thing, and you know, as a coach, um, her scene after her senior year, she played soccer. And after that was over, she wrote me a big old letter and how she knew deep down and why I had done that. And it, it meant a lot to me uh, as a coach uh, that she did that. 
And then last year we read the book Uncommon uh, together and Uncommon was our thing. And, uh, you know, this year um, we're reading, we're going to read What Drives Winning by Brett Ledbetter. And it's just kind of a, I'm almost done with it right now. I'll read it myself first. And and it's just a, a way to take the pressure off these kids. You know, kids nowadays, they're playing travel ball you know they're playing all all summer they're playing in the off season they really don't get a break a lot of my kids are basketball only kids i try to encourage them to play softball or track or or this or that but you know they have goals and they want to you know go play at the next level and you know i'm i'm looking for ways to you know for them to see that they're more than just a basketball player um so that the pressure of you know there's a lot of expectations here you know once you've won it they people are when you, they don't ask you anything else but when you're going to do it again um and so i want them to see that i care about them hopefully you know um more than just how many points they score or how many rebounds they get or whether they win or lose and so i'm always trying to look for different ways to add that in and i think and he does a brett led job of of doing different ways and odd ways of helping teams. He's helped OU women's softball. He's helped Florida softball, you know, uh, UConn women's basketball. He has a list of, of uh, just phenomenal coaches and at the college and the pro level and, and men and women's sports. Uh, you can go on whatdriveswinning.com and you have interviews from, I mean, every level. And there's just a lot of great stuff that you can, that you can get from that. And so that's one thing that we're going to do. Um, with our team this year, uh, starting October one. So, you know, that's how it kind of came to be. And it really, it's just who I am, you know, and if I was to tell, you know, another coach, a young coach, you know, don't do something that's not you. If you hate reading, don't do reading. Kids are going to see right through that, you know, um, you know, be who you are and let the kids see who you are. Yeah. So when you, when you first started doing that, and you sat down with your team and you said, Hey, we're going to, we're going to read a book together. So, and, and you sit down and have them all sit down and, and pass the book around. How did they feel about that? Were they, were they accepting to it or did it take time? It did. You know, I, you know, as a coach, you kind of, you second guess your decisions, but you know, they, they, they just really kind of bought into it. You know, I think they were a little uncomfortable uh at first you know and if we have a kid that doesn't like to read i'm not going to force them to do it you know i don't mind reading a little extra or something like that but all of our coaches read too we do we started uh the same year we really i really started being more organized with it but i've always tried to do a a notebook with my players they have a binder every player with their name on it with we put the theme on the very front we have a playbook in there I've got one in front of me right now. And it's like, I mean, we do our 10 minute toughness. We still do that. So we, you know, we're working on their mental workout and we do notes and we require all our kids to take notes. And then, so what we're reading, if you're not reading, you're taking notes and what stands out to you and what the, you know, what the book says, uh, we have playbooks and schedules and scouting reports and all that. Um, but you know, I think, honestly they just kind of bought into it i think they really liked it you know if we have a wednesday where we can't get it done there coach are we gonna read coach are we gonna read you know and and so i've really tried to stay say i've been i've even <laughs> the year we won it i was like man do we need to be practicing more you know what i mean i was really worried about it but i you know i think it's something that we have really just we've committed to it and the kids love it um 
we try to do, like I said, things that are outside the box that they may not get. I want them to know, you know, history about things, what's current events, you know, more than just being a basketball player. There's more to you as a person uh, than just, you know, what you do out there on the, on the hardwood. I mean, you, I think you do a great job with that. Um, I've heard a, I've heard a saying one time, play the man. Uh, and so it's less about, and we'll relate that to coaching, but it's less about coaching the player versus coaching the kid. Um, and I think it sounds like that's a great way for you to figure out more about your kids because, you know, you're able to do this 10-minute toughness. Um, and, and that really spoke to that specific player. Um, and so versus just um, coaching the athlete, you're coaching the kid that you know. And so um, I, I think that's I think that's a high level thinking um, and I commend you for that. Um, you mentioned coaching with Donnie Husband uh, and, and, and Coach Fletcher at Merritt. Uh, I don't know Coach Fletcher as well as I know of Coach Husband, obviously, at uh He's been doing it a long time and at a high level. Um, I know Coach Zyke, who was at one time at McAllister, goes to Tushka and wins one. Coach Bryant worked under Coach Husband for a few years at Latta, and Coach Husband wins a state championship there. He ends up taking over the program. He wins one there. You've now won a state championship. What does Coach Husband uh, – and, and I'm not trying to shortchange Coach Fletcher at all. I, I just know him as well. What does Coach Husband specifically do um, that people are able to learn from and and go out and, and replicate? Or how does he help his peers to where they're able to be successful at other places? Well, you know, the biggest thing um, that I think that stood out to me with him, with Coach Husband, was, you know, I, I came to Merritt, and I'm a young coach. This is my fourth year coaching, and I'm the softball coach. I'm not even a head basketball coach. I'm just an assistant. And he stopped, he knew I'd coached girls basketball at Butner because he's the athletic director there. And he said, Coach, what's your best set play? I mean, and to me, that just – I mean, why is he asking me? <laughs> to me, I'm, I know nothing compared to this guy. You know, he's a Hall of Famer, going to be a Hall of Famer, and, and all at that time he wasn't. Um and, you know, that was just something that stuck out to me. I think, you know, the best are always learning. You know, you, 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 Coach Fletcher used to say you're either getting better or you're getting worse. You can't say the same. And that's so true. You know, if, if – and I encourage every young coach, um, if you don't go to the coaches' clinic, you're missing out. I mean, I, I heard a lot of coaches this year say, oh, well, I already know what they do, or, you know, and – and I watched Coach Husband for years. You know, this is a guy that's won, you know, six, 700 games, two state championships in a row. Uh, if he would have stayed at Latta, he'd probably won three or four in a row. I mean, he very well could have. And, and funny thing, when Latta won it, when he wasn't there, they beat Merritt in the semifinals of that year. And he was right. And, you know, he's at Merritt. And it, it was a, it was one of the best games I've ever watched. Um, he would go to the clinic and he's there all week long and he's watching different sports. He's watching girls basketball, guys basketball, coaches, and he's taking notes. And, you know, I was blessed to, to speak at it the year last year and he's there taking notes and, and, and it just amazes me. And, and he's instilled that to me. I saw that as a young coach and, and that, you know, I want to do that. And it's just, I, it's nothing spectacular, spectacular. He, you know, he doesn't have the, 
the winning play that's going to, you know, it's just what he does day in and day out. Um, you know, just he ran a really organized practice. Um, he, you know, he's kind of like a drill sergeant. He, he'd have 40 boys in that in that gym, and they're all, you know, five of them five, going five on five running whatever action he's working on. And, you know, the other, you know, 30 are in the groups of five with jerseys with their toes on the line ready to go in. And, I mean, it is a well-oiled machine. Um, and he had them getting after that. And that was always something that, you know, kind of stuck with me the way he did things. And he, he never, you know, I never heard him. He really didn't have to raise his voice. He just, which, I, I mean, I'm sure he did. But he uh, he just demanded that, that you play hard, you practice hard. And, 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 you know, that was one of the things that really – stood out to me, his humbleness. Um, Coach Fletcher, you know, I'll, I'll talk to him. A lot of the stuff that we do X's and O's wise, I've either gotten from him or made adjustments off to of some of the stuff that he's done. And he, like I said, he, he, he made with, he has surreal teams. I think 2000, maybe 10, 11, 12, somewhere around in that area, they were runner up three years in a row. And I mean, you know, you don't get the state championship game three years in a row without being really, really good. And he did a phenomenal job. Just uh, the, his scouting reports, the things that he did uh, were just amazing. He, he didn't like getting scored on on inbounds plays. And, I mean, every inbounds play that, that the other team ran, we had it scouted out and we were going to – and you, you didn't score. And uh, he was a phenomenal defensive coach. I learned a lot about that from him. Great man-to-man coach. Um, so, you know, as a young coach, uh, I was very blessed – uh, to be able to just sit back and just learn from those guys. And they, they are who they are every day of the week, you know, and it's just they keep learning, they keep getting better. And so, you know, that I would say that, that I mean, that's the secret, and you know, just hard work. Yeah, and so, well, uh, I did have something I wanted to ask you about your, uh, your state championship run. Um, you go 22 and five, you uh, – like you talked about, you lost three games in the middle of the year or toward the end of the year in a row, got them back on track. When did you know that it, that state was or that that you know that you had a chance to to take home the the state championship? Honestly, the first tournament of the year is for us is always the Tahlequah tournament, and that year um, Tahlequah was. They had they had to go to six A, but they were they got all the kids uh, from Sequoia uh, the year before uh, during COVID because Sequoia didn't play sports, and so they were already going to be good. But then you add the the D one point guard, and they had a a freshman post player is about six two, and and they you know they go from probably they would have probably been the favorites in five A, but they were they could have won six A too. They were they were phenomenal and. So here that first game, first round game, we beat Muskogee, who's very athletic. We beat them. Uh, then we beat Booker T. Uh, and, you know, Tahlequah was at a different level. And I was like, man, you know, I don't know. We'll see. And we're – it was a six-point basketball game with about three minutes left. And one of our good point guards fouled out. And, I, and after that game was over, I told the girls, I said, we got a chance. I said, we – I mean, we knew we were going to be good, but I knew we had a chance to win it. Um, so from that point on, you know, we just kind of, I tell them our, you know, our goals get better every single day, you know, learn to play with each other, keep playing fast, you know, keep getting stronger and doing that. And we were able to, you know, when you're good, I would say you have more adversity trying to stop it 
Um, you know, I think as a, out on the outside looking in, you see the coaches win the state championship. And you're like, man, they probably don't have any problems. And it's the, the, the opposite, really. You know, you have to deal with so much pressure. Yet there's other things that go on you never know. And we had a tight group that could deal with anything. And uh, they were able to, to shore off the, the three losses in a row and to make an adjustment and come back and then obviously play against teams that were way bigger than them. And they just played their basketball and, and did what they do. And and came, you know, came out on top and it was, it was a fun thing, you know, in the locker room before the state championship game. And I heard this from listening to an, a podcast uh, of Jerry Walker. His son does a podcast, uh, Iron Horse podcast, I think is what it's called. And he interviewed his dad. Jerry Walker was the coach at Fort Gibson uh, that started that, that run that they had. And he said when <clears throat> they lost it three years in a row, I think, and then they, they, uh, got back in there again and he finally told the girls he said you know there's two championship teams playing tonight only one of them's going to get a different color ball just go out there and play and you know i told the girls that i, I said that same statement and i told them i said there's nothing that you can do to disappoint me you just go play McAllister basketball and leave it all out there and then you know they did it was it was fun to watch what does uh what does the title coach mean to you? Uh, I can, I can share why you're thinking about that. So um, I did my student teaching. Um, and before that, I, I shared this in the last episode, but before that I had started up with off season workouts. And so I show up in August and I'm 22 years old um, and had just turned 22 and I show up to practice for the very first time. Uh, hadn't been into practice really since I graduated high school and uh, the first time a kid talks to me directly, he refers to me as coach. And other than now being dad uh, and, and obviously uh, husband and, um, and Christian, I think that's the most humbling title that I've ever been called. And so I just remember, you know, not letting it get to my head, but that pr- sense of pride kind of swelling up like, man, this kid who's four years younger than me because he was a senior, he's, he's referring to me as coach. And that comes with, with such responsibility, um, but it's such a gratifying title. Um, and so what, what does that title mean to you? Um, yeah, I mean, so for me, you know, I, I got a head coaching job at, um, got, you know, like I said, forced right into being a head coach. Um, I was 27 years old, uh, at the time and, uh, you know, backtracking a little bit, um, before that year, I was very, um, I would say egotistical. I wanted to be a boys coach and, you know, I thought I knew everything, you know, I was going to be the greatest boys basketball coach ever you know, and now and I, I played college basketball and I was really, you know, kind of um, headed in the wrong direction. Uh, I think if I would have went into coaching with that attitude and that belief, like I don't think I would have made it. Uh, but God humbled me. I was engaged to a, a, a lady at the time uh, and, you know, it didn't work out. And, you know, I, I was definitely not headed in the right direction. And God, God saved me from a bad situation. It was his grace. Um, and like I said, during that time I interviewed and, and I put resumes out everywhere. I, I couldn't, I couldn't even get an interview in some of the places that, that I, you know, 
thought would, you know, no, none of them even would, would give me an interview. And I'm like, man, what's going on? And you know, I remember crying every night and thinking, God, what's going on? You know, you know, you're, I feel like you want me to be a coach, you know, obviously you've broken my heart. I'm completely dependent on you. Um, and I would pray every night and, you know, and, and I'd spend some time with the Lord, read my Bible. And, you know, I made a promise to say, God, if you, you, you let me coach, you let me do this. And, um, I'm going to spend the rest of my days telling these kids about Jesus and, you know, being who you want me to be. And, uh, it wasn't very long after that, that I got that, that, that call from Butner. And, you know, I took that program was, I mean, they were bad, 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 bad. And, uh, it was, it was hard. And if I would have had the attitude that I had before, uh, it wouldn't like, I wouldn't have been there very long and, and, and God humbled me and, he put people in my path that would help me. It's a funny thing. The principal <laughs> at, at Butner was my wife's, uh, she was my wife's female fitness teacher at Claremore when she was in high school. And that's kind of, you know, the, the avenues that God put in my way. And, you know, and you think about it as a coach, especially nowadays, you know, I don't know every team I've ever coached. I don't know if I can on one hand count the kids that have a mom and a dad at home. Um, so, you know, you have, you, you, you wear other hats and, and every coach does. Uh, but we spend a lot of time, um, helping these kids character wise. My best friend who, you know, gave me that book. Uh, he's now the family pastor at McAllister, but I have him come in on, on Wednesdays. We have a little five minute talk session right before we start getting into practice. And usually I give him a quote or a thought or a story or something quick. Uh, but I have him come in and just give them a devotional and, and, you know, kind of have them hear from somebody else, uh, you know, different things. And, uh, you know, I just, I think God's humbling of me made me realize how important it is to be a coach. You know, Billy Graham said one of the most influential people in a, in a, in a person's life in a kid's life is their coach. Um, and you think back of like the John Wooden's, uh, Pat summits and people that have been very, very successful. You look at Patty Gasso now in softball, um, you know, they're, they're coaching, you know, not just the sport, but they're coaching the people. And, you know, that's one thing that, you know, I tell a lot of people, I, I study a lot of old coaches. Um, I try to read two books a month and I'm not perfect at it, but most of the time I get it done, especially in the off season, but I'll read one coaching book and one I'm, I'm big into like religious history and, and, and that stuff. And I'll read those things. And I read Pat Summit's biography and, and it's called Sum It Up. And, and she was constantly worried that she was too hard on her kids. And she would have all of her players come over once a month and she would cook whatever they wanted that night. And I mean, from scratch. I mean, if one wanted lobster, one wanted steak, one wanted whatever, she'd cook it all by scratch. And I, I mean, that's something you wouldn't think Pat Summit, this hard nose, you know, she won all these national championships. You wouldn't think that Paul Bear Bryant never showed his team's film of them doing anything negative because he thought if they saw themselves do it negative, they would create a habit and do it again. He only showed them positive plays in film. And that's stuff like you never would know unless you really kind of read and studied about these people. And it's amazing to see these these coaches that we, you know, oh, they're real hard on their kids and how much they really truly behind the scenes loved on their kids. Uh, so I think, you know, as a coach, that's our job. Find, you know, find the avenues 
um, that we can reach them other than basketball. Love them hard, you know. Uh, help them in every way, every way possible. Let them see who you are. Get them around your family, you know, and 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 do those things so those kids can have a family because a lot of them nowadays don't. Yeah, I have I have a saying that I that I have said for the last two years and 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 will continue it this year. Um, when I when I first accepted the job at being um, one of our first practices we had kind of in May uh, before before we went out and played our, our summer camps, <clears throat> I told them I'm never going to outcoach my relationship. And so what that means is if I don't have a relationship with you that is very strong, then I'm probably going to coach you differently than I do someone who uh, I do have a strong relationship with. But at the same time, if I don't feel like I can coach you very hard, that's a goal for me to build that relationship up because, you know, the game only lasts 32 minutes long um, and we only get so many of them. But we do get a lot of time in practice. We do get a lot of time in the summer um, with these kids. And uh, if that's not at the forefront of our minds of building these relationships, being someone that these kids can rely on to be as you said about coach husband, the same person every day, um, you know, then, then we're doing something wrong and we need to reevaluate um, because I want to be able to coach every kid hard because, um, because I do love all my kids equally, but um, I also want to build that relationship with those, with those kids as people and not just as, as a basketball player at being. Um, and so that's something that I've done and will continue to do. Um, which just kind of, you know, it just puts the relationship with the kid at the forefront. Um, and, and so I, I, I feel like kids, when you do have that relationship with them, um, they're willing to take whatever kind of coaching is needed at the time. Um, but if you're just a screamer, screamer and a yeller during the games and you're jokey and, and, and just really surface level outside of the games, it can be tough. Um, and so, uh, that's something that, that we've done here. Um, coach, you've been extremely gracious with your time. I want to give you an opportunity to say anything else that, that maybe we didn't touch on that you'd like to say. Um, but I, I just really appreciate you being willing to come on here and, and kind of help jumpstart this thing. Well, I, I appreciate the honor, you know, to, to be a part of this. And I think you're doing a phenomenal job. It's a great thing that needs to be done. I think we have some really, really good coaches in Oklahoma, um, and it's a, it's a cool thing to be able to sit down and listen. I, like I said, I listened to both episodes, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, I, who was the, what was the first guy? His name was Alec Bryan. Alec Bryan. That was that was it was he did y'all did a great job on that. Obviously, one of your friends, and then Coach Hadley out at out at Varnum, and just to get to know these people, uh, you know who they really are and, and whether, where their heart is, you can see their heart and, uh, in, in coaching and why they do it. Um, and so, you know, I think it's going to be a great thing. You know, I hope it just continues to grow and I'm very thankful for my opportunity to sit here and do this. And, and, uh, I, I'm going to be listening today, every episode that you do from here on out. So keep doing it. You're doing a great job. Well, appreciate it coach. And good luck to you guys this year. Holler at me you, if you ever need anything. You too, coach. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to another episode of They Call Me Coach. Be on the lookout as we release a new episode every Tuesday. 
Please remember to like our They Call Me Coach podcast page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook for updates on new episodes.